0: Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Patreon.com slash single simulcast. Buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Let's go. <clears throat> Chapter 16. Just do your job and be my fucking bulletproof. That's what being a rich, spoiled, dumb little bitch gets you. A motherfucker like you to take bullets from me. Breeze. Ooh, shit. Who's she talking? What she? Mm. One of her bodyguards about to get shot. (laughs) Hi, you've reached me and more. Unfortunately, I'm unavailable right now. Leave a message and I'll return your call. Carter hung up his phone and sighed deeply from frustration. Mia Moore refused to take any of his calls. Each time he attempted to contact her, she gave him the fuck you button and sent him straight to voicemail. He knew that his mind needed to be on his paper chase, but the feelings that he had begun to develop for her were unlike anything he had ever experienced with a woman. He had never found anyone who held his interest in the way that she did, and now he was kicking himself for being so stupid. He knew what it must have looked like, But he never intended on taking a girl from the club home with him. She was just someone to entertain him and his boys for the time being. He knew that it didn't make his actions any less hurtful in Mia Moore's eyes, and he hoped that she gave him the chance to make things right with her before she decided to completely write him off. Carter maneuvered his car in front of Ace and Zaire's building, then called upstairs to let them know he was outside. It was time for him to get focused. With his own team in town, money was sure to flow. The sooner he got paid, the sooner he could avenge his brother's murder and move on with his life. He had a three-year hustle plan for Miami. He wanted to flip and reflip his money into the $100 million range, and he knew it was entirely possible, considering Miami's lucrative drug trade and his father's real estate company, to which he was now the acting CEO. eye ear hopped into Carter's truck, and he pulled away from the curb. Yo, fam, what was that shit that happened with you and that chick in the club last night? Ace asked. He had noticed his friend's demeanor change drastically. Both two wrapped up in his female acquaintance to address it. Man, some old crazy shit. The chick Mia more that Zaire brought over to the table? I've been kicking it with her since I've been down here. I didn't know she was in the building. My actions would have been a whole lot different, Now, I mean? He stated with a smirk. Zaire laughed from the back seat. Shorty was tight. I could see that shit all on her face. I ain't mean to throw salt in your game, fam. It's all good, Carter said. I'm about to introduce the two of you to my family. This is serious, and all jokes aside, whenever they're around, it has to be about protecting them. I'm not trying to see anything else happen to them. They've been through enough, and I'm all they have left right now, at least until Mecca comes home. Carter pulled up to the gate at home and greeted some of the security he had hired to post up around the premises. He parked his truck directly in front of the magnificent house. Damn, your people's paid, fam. Zaire got out and admired the massive estate. Carter walked into the house and was immediately greeted by Taryn. Carter, it's so good to see you, sweetheart, she said as she hugged him. Have you eaten? I could fix you something if you like. No. I'm fine, Taryn. Thanks. I came by to introduce you to my friends from up top. They're in town because everything has been going on with this war. Well, if they can help, then I'm certainly pleased to meet them. Ace stepped up first and held out his hand. Hello, ma'am. I'm Ace, he said politely. Taryn smiled graciously and accepted his hand. It's very nice to meet you, Ace, but please... Call me Terran. And this is Zaire, Carter said, making an introduction for his second partner. I'm glad to have you both here, Terran said with a grateful smile. Carter detected the melancholy tone in her voice and knew that she was at her breaking point. Breeze glided into the room with the accurate style of a supermodel. Her long hair was in its natural curly state and was held back by a silver headband. She wore black leggings with an H&M silver mini dress and silver Hollister flats. Her face lit up when she saw her brother. Carter, I didn't know you were here, she stated as she ran to hug him. Breeze, I want you to meet my best friend, Ace, and my little nigga, Zaire. They're like brothers to me. They're the only two people beside me and Polo that are allowed to enter this house. No one else has my permission. They're the only ones I trust with your lives. We have to keep you both safe, okay? He spoke sternly but gently as he tried to stress the importance of his rule to his hard-headed little sister. Okay, I understand. I'm about to go, but I'll call you later on. Hold up. Where are you going, Carter asked. To the beach and out to meet with an event planner. Papa used to always throw a white party for the 4th of July, so I'm throwing my own this year, you know, to get my mind off everything. That's cool, B, but I want you to do me a favor and take Zaire with you, he said. Oh shit. Her and Zaire are about the same age. I would not be surprised to find out they fall in love and or Zaire falls in love with her or they have sex and she's a virgin or something like that that's going to cause more drama. But let's go. Breeze looked past Carter towards Zaire. His chocolate skin and medium build attracted her slightly. The tattoos that adorned his arms and neck appealed to her. He may not be too bad, she thought. Carter smirked at his sister's blatant interest in his friend, but knew that Zaire would never be interested in a girl like Breeze. They're from two different worlds. (laughs) You'll see. Okay, I'll take him, she answered as she walked out the door. Zaire didn't know that he was going to be babysitting, but he agreed just because his man asked him to. Breeze pulled her two-seater BMW Z-Series from the garage and pulled up in front of Zaire. You coming or not, she asked sweetly as she put on oversized Chloe glasses. As Zaire reached for her door, she pressed her gas slightly, making the car move forward without him. You playing, shorty? I ain't gonna chase you, ma, he said, his vernacular smooth and low. Breeze laughed. I'm sorry. Come on, get in. Zaire shook his head as he entered the car, and they rolled off. Breeze was silent as she cruised through the Miami streets. She didn't know what to say to Zaire and felt awkward around him. It was clear to see that they were extremely different, but he was sexy, and she loved his dark skin. His serious demeanor reminded her of her father. You don't talk? Breeze asked innocently, once she had grown uncomfortable with the silence between them. Zaire smirked as he let his seat back and sat down low in the car. What? You don't want to be seen with me or something? She asked, frowning. Zaire looked at her. Breeze? Is that your name? She nodded. Breeze, I talk. I just don't like to talk when there ain't nothing to talk about. I don't talk about shopping or gossip or gay shit like that. Nigga, what? Come on now. (sighs) My conversation revolved around one thing. Oh yeah? And what's that? Money. Money ain't everything. What you know about getting money, girl? You've been spoon-fed your whole life. Zaire wasn't trying to be rude, but he wasn't one to hold his tongue. So what? You judging me? Yeah, I grew up with money, but don't act like you're the only one who struggled. My father died trying to get me the best of everything. So you damn right. I'm going to take advantage of everything that he left me. Ain't that what you trying to do? Provide for your family? Or are you only worried about pushing new whips and bullshit like that? I'm just doing me, shorty. That's it. I don't got no kids to think about. And bitches ain't worth a headache. So right now, I'm about stacking my chips. Know what I mean? When she didn't reply, he answered for her. Nah. You don't know what I mean. Why are you so rude? Is that how you niggas in Flint get down? You act just like Carter. Carter basically raised me. He's the only father figure I know. I met him four years ago when I was only 14. He took me in and taught me everything I know. And I'm not trying to be rude, ma. So if I offended you, I apologize. You're just a little spoiled, that's all. I'm not trying to be rude. If I offended you, I apologize. Now let me offend you again. Also, it's clear to offended her, so it's not if I offended you. That's a fucked up way to apologize. You don't even know me. Breeze couldn't believe his nerve. No one had ever talked to her that way. Most were afraid to overstep their boundaries because of her affiliation with the cartel. But Zaire didn't care. He said what he wanted to say. And she found it attractive. I don't have to know you. I know your type. So what? Because you came from the bottom, you hate everybody that's at the top? I guess you like them old raggedy Reebok wearing bitches, huh? If a chick ain't from the ghetto, then you ain't interested? I like smart chicks. It don't matter where they're from. Zaire turned to face her. And I'm not that? Oh, no. You tell me. I mean, I'll admit that I don't really know you, but it seems to me that you're a little naive, self-centered, Zaire smiled. He could see that his words were bothering her. He had to admit, she was a gorgeous young woman, but her head wasn't in the right place. Self-centered, Breeze repeated, her face frowned in disagreement. Check it, Ma. After everything your family been through, you out here trying to throw parties and shit trying to keep up your perception and be the center of attention while motherfuckers are running up in your people's funerals and killing the ones you love. You're in the middle of a war and you're making yourself accessible. You're the type of target a nigga would love to touch. If I was working for the other side, you'd be the first one I'd gun for. You're easy to get to. Zaire looked towards her and noticed a solemn expression across her face. The girl was fighting back tears and he instantly regretted bringing up the death of her loved ones. Yo, ma, I'm sorry. You know what? Just don't say shit to me. I get it. You think I'm stupid and spoiled, so there's no need for us to be social. But don't ever say anything about my family. You just got here. You don't know us. Just do your job and be my fucking bulletproof. That's what being a rich, spoiled, dumb little bitch gets you. A motherfucker like you to take bullets for me, she said arrogantly. Breeze pulled in front of the event planner's office and slammed her door as she got out the car. She stopped on the sidewalk in front of the building and thought about what Zaire had said to her. She couldn't help it that she was spoiled. Her father had always provided for her, but she had never been called selfish before. Zaire's words had been like a mirror to show Breeze her true reflection. She was her family's weak spot, and it hurt. You mean she never noticed that shit? not once these niggas got two guns this nigga got a company this nigga over here got drugs and all I got is long hair and outfits and I'm not even allowed to choose my own outfits I mean she's the youngest she's a baby she's like 19 but she never noticed that she don't know how to do nothing like I don't know I never really asked my kids if they know how to do shit somebody else had to have hipped her to it by now right I don't know Damn it, she yelled as she kept walking past the party planning spot and into the sandy beach across the street. Zaire watched her from the car and put his hand over his face when he saw her storm off. Fuck, man. I should have just shut the fuck up. All this dramatic shit ain't for the kid, he mumbled to himself. He reluctantly climbed out the car and walked down the street after her. Get my motherfucking kicks dirty and shit, he complained as he walked through the sand near the edge of the water in his crispy white Air Force Ones. Nigga, she said she was going to the beach. Put on some flip-flops. He walked up behind her. Breeze. You're right, she said. Nah, ma, I was out of line. You're right. I haven't been here. I don't know shit. Just forget about it, a'ight? He said, attempting to make her feel better. He wasn't used to being sentimental and he had never apologized for anything in his life, so he felt awkward changing this persona for her. I remember my father used to bring me here when I was little. We would come to the beach, and he would let me run around all day. I would shop up and down these boulevards for hours. I was the only little girl rocking Chanel and Ferragamo. She laughed at the distant memory and then looked Zaire in his eyes. You see, I've always had everything I ever wanted. Ever since I can remember. Every year, he threw a white party for all of our friends and family. Everybody came out to show the cartel love. I miss them so much. I just want things to be how they were before all this happened. They're taking everything from me. My father, money, Mecca's half crazy. All I have left is my memories and the money that my father left me. I'm not trying to put my family in jeopardy. But I don't want to stop living my life while I wait around to die. Eventually, they're going to get me too, Breeze whispered as tears burned her eyes. No, they not, Ma, Zaire said confidently, seeing her so weak hit a soft spot with him. How can you be so sure? I'm your bulletproof, remember? He nudged her shoulder gently, trying to make her smile. She wiped her face and smirked slightly. Sorry about that comment. It's nothing, shorty, but for real, if you want to make it through this war, you gotta be just as smart as a motherfuckers gunning for you. Don't be the weak link, ma. If you want to go somewhere, all you gotta do is call. I'll take you, cause believe me, a nigga ain't murkin' me. Thank you, Zaire, she said graciously as her curly hair blew with the ocean-misted wind. You're welcome, beautiful. What? How do Okay, look, before I go any further, I just want to talk about the way that most of these urban fiction books have written the men and the women in the books. And it's it's actually not like that for this book because, well, it is to an extent. I was going to say because Mia Moore, in these books, the men are usually strong and stoic and silent or strong and outgoing. And the men are the, the introverted ones. The men are the, well, the men are the, the catchalls. Let's put it like that. The men are the catchalls. They can do everything that you need them to do. Um, and the women are usually unsure and quiet and, um, don't really have a place and don't really get fleshed out at all. And, um, Just looking for somebody to sweep them off their feet, even though they have way more of an advantage than the men do in most situations. Mia Moore, I would say, was the exception to the rule. But as you can see, when she's not around Carter, she's literally pining for Carter. And it took him 16 chapters to start pining for her. So it's not equally yoked in that relationship situation. And I'm pretty sure the Breeze, who doesn't have any background story whatsoever, other than the fact that she's Diamond Carter's daughter, and she's spoiled, and she likes parties and clothes. That's really it. That's what they wrote for her. She didn't get a chance to talk about school or a company or her interests or anything like that. They didn't talk about where she wanted to do or anything. She just wants to spend money and party all the time. And Monroe... And Mecca were born in the same household that she was. But Monroe was given the role of he understood money and he understood math. So we're going to make him the uh, follow up to his father's company. And Mecca had the whole uh, gun happy, wants to be a thug, following in that aspect of his father's footsteps. Diamond didn't get anything. And so for this to this relationship to be happening, it feels like Diamond is about to immediately fall head over heels with this with, with with Zaire. Just because he spoke to her in a way that she was unaccustomed to. And that's lazy. It's always lazy when you don't make anybody something and then you want to make them something more. But they don't have a story and we don't really I don't I don't I don't I don't really care about Breeze right now. Breeze is somebody who pops up. I'm more concerned about Polo. Like, am I going to find out when this nigga set this whole thing up? But Breeze, she's just a Breeze. You know, like she literally just flits past and you feel her for a second and then she's gone again. And it's wild that they named her that. And it's literally the way that she feels. Oh, so you think I'm beautiful? Breeze grinned as she put her sunglasses back over her eyes. Zaire shook his head and grabbed her hand to lead her back to the car. You still trying to throw this party? Or are you going to be smart and play it safe? I trust you. I don't want to put my family in danger. Well, let me put you up with some new shit. Something that will occupy your time. He hopped into the pastor's seat and said, Take me to the nearest bookstore. God damn it. This nigga just assumes that she don't read. He doesn't know anything about her past the conversation they just had. But he just assumes that she don't read. And he's like, let me put you on some new shit. It's called books. Let me get you to this new hotness. It's called literature. Let me get you onto this little secret thing I got going on. It's called reading. Breeze and Zaire spent the entire day together. He took her to Borders and introduced her to reading. Ain't this about a bitch? Which is a pastime she never had. The most the Breeze ever did was flip through the pages of a fashion magazine. But Zaire spoke about African American literature as if she were missing out on something. His obvious passion for reading was intriguing. He piqued her interest as he spoke fervently about authors such as James Baldwin, Langston Hughes, and Alice Walker. He even put her up on street fiction, starting her out on Donald going, and then suggesting street writers like Ashley and Jaquavis, who wrote this book, you know, you have to get yourself in there, shout out to yourself, and Hindsight, and Rapture Book Club, and Return to Oswald, and you know the single serving show that nigga Rashani's a great podcaster Keisha Irving and Sister Soldier now okay so in this list we got Donald going so I just finished reading The Horse and so I have a really bad taste in my mouth about that book like hopefully the rest of them will get better because he is the father of street lit um but I haven't read anything from Keisha Irving but I know Sister Soldier mm Breeza never met anyone like Zaire. How the fuck do you know? You literally just met this nigga, and <sighs> this nigga wasn't exuding none of this type of conversation when he was talking to Ace and 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 Carter. He wasn't talking about none of this. Uh, Black literature and all that kind of shit. He didn't even seem like a smart nigga. He seemed like all he wanted to do was get up on bitches. But now that he's against a woman, all of a sudden, he ascends to his final fucking form and becomes like the reading god. The fuck out of my face. He was intelligent, honest, and most importantly, she felt safe when they were together. She trusted him with her life. And she had just met him. Yeah, you just met him. Cut that shit out. What am I going to do with all these books? I can't read them all today. Maybe I should come back for some later, Breeze said, almost intimidated by the stack of books that were piling up in her hands. I'm going to tell you like Carter told me. Start at the beginning and work your way through until you read them all. You got to feed your brain, ma. Don't let these crackers hide shit from you within these pages. That's how they keep our minds imprisoned. That's why I said there's nothing more unattractive than a dumb chick, he said. I'm surprised Carter ain't gave you that speech yet. That nigga stay grilling me and I ain't even his family. Breeze laughed. Well, that's a conversation that I can avoid having because you've already taught me. I guess I'll take them all then. Zaire purchased all the books for Breeze, and when it was time for her to go, she was reluctant to go back home. I had a good time today, she said. Me too, Ma. Me too. I just feel like I have somebody finally I could talk to, you know? My brothers are all about this war, and I sort of get lost in the sauce. This was nice. Bree shook her head in protest and smiled. You bought me all these books and now you are gonna leave me hanging? You know I might need you there to help me get through some of these big words, you know, since you think I'm dumb and all. First impressions are sometimes wrong. I misjudged you. So, tonight's not over yet? she asked as she stepped into her car. Nah, shorty, it ain't over. We can kick it in my place. Zaire told her his address, and twenty minutes later they were pulling up in front of his building. Carter pulled up to Mia Moore's place. I paused like that, a big-ass pause, because I didn't want y'all to have whiplash because they literally just pulled up to Zaire's place and the very next words are going to be Carter pulled up to Mia Moore's building. I didn't want y'all to be like, Carter pulled up to Mia Moore's place and saw her as she walked across the parking lot with 10 shopping bags in her hands. He smirked when he noticed that the bags were all from high-end designers. She's definitely high class. She could hurt a nigga's pockets for real. He admired her runway strut before approaching her. You need some help? What are you doing here? She asked quietly as she stopped dead in her tracks. We need to talk. There's nothing to say, she answered quickly and sternly. Her tone was short and he knew that she was still upset. You think? It was last night. The way her jaw clenched was an indication as to how mad she really was. Her jealousy told him more than her words could ever say. He knew that she had feelings for him that ran deeper than she wanted to admit, and that she was stubborn, and it would take some effort for him to get back in her good graces. He pulled the bags from her hands and motioned his head for her to walk ahead of him. She hesitated, but didn't protest as she began to walk into her building. The natural sway of her hips commanded his attention as he followed behind her. The smell of vanilla filled Carter's senses as soon as he stepped foot inside her home. Her place was spotless, and that was one of the things he loved most about her. She was clean. She was sensitive. She was a real woman. I know a lot of real women out there who don't like cleaning the house And we'll get a house cleaner. I know a lot of real women out there who aren't sensitive because they've been told that holding back your feelings to accommodate somebody else is fucking stupid. I know real women out there who are much different than me and more. And that does not discount them in any way, shape, or form. And this nigga needs to get the fuck off this misogynistic. This is what my idea and ideals of a real woman are because it's not hot. Of course, this is 2008, but I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Thank you for carrying my bags up. You can leave now, she said as she opened the door for him and folded her arms across her chest. Can we talk? I told you, ain't nothing to talk about, Mia Moore stated. Go talk to your little girlfriend from the other night. She knew that she was being childish, but she didn't care. She was nobody, Carter stated as he stepped into her. He put one hand on the side of her face and swept her hair from in front of her eyes. She was just She was just some little bitch I met at the club. You don't have to worry. Me and laughed arrogantly. Worry? Look at me, Carter. Do I look like the type of bitch who needs to worry over a nigga? No. I have a million in line that are waiting for you to fuck up. They didn't have to wait very long now, did they? Carter nodded his head. And for the first time, she saw him get angry. His nose flared slightly, but he kept his composure. Okay, I'm going to let that slick shit you pop and slide because I fucked up. I hurt you. Whatever. Please do not give yourself that much credit, Mia Moore replied quickly. She knew that she had to keep the smart comments rolling off her tongue to stop herself from crying. You know what? I don't even know why you're here. You don't have to explain anything to me. I'm not your girl, and I don't really give a fuck about what you do. I'm just glad that I found out how you are before I... She stopped speaking abruptly before she said too much. Don't let this nigga control the situation. Keep your emotions in check and use them to your advantage. Before you what? She was silent as she tried to keep her composure. Tell me, he demanded. Before I gave you a chance to break my heart. Carter closed his eyes and rested his forehead against hers as he released a deep sigh. She could see the regret on his face, and it was then that she knew that he never meant to hurt her. It was too late for her to care, though. She had let him into her heart, and he had showed her shade, no matter how small it might have been. He was her enemy. Yep, nigga. Fall right into my trap, lying-ass motherfucker. You should feel bad, she thought angrily. I'm sorry, Ma. I was stupid. I shouldn't even have been in the club, especially with a bitch. I got a lot on me right now. She didn't mean shit, and she ain't shit to me. I didn't even know the girl's name. I apologize for hurting you, he whispered. You didn't, she said, her words stubborn and cold. I did. I can see it in your eyes, Mia Moore, and I am sincerely sorry, Ma. I'm caught up in some shit with my family right now, and I wasn't thinking. I don't want you to doubt the way that I feel about you. His words were making her weak, and she felt a single tear escape her eyes. Just leave me alone, she whispered. and Moore wanted to kill Carter so badly that she could taste his blood in her mouth. I hate this nigga, but I love this nigga too, she thought. How could she love a man whose organization took her sister away from her? She was so torn and confused that she didn't know what to do. Her growth were wrong. Carter didn't have her head, but he was slowly capturing her heart. It's too bad. I'm going to have to murder this nigga, she thought sadly. Carter pulled her away from the front door and closed it. With her back against the wall, he kissed her neck gently. Her nipples hardened and he removed her shirt and unclasped her bra in one motion. His hands were experienced, and he had perfected the art of seduction like a ball player perfected his jump shot. In a gym, all alone, with no air conditioner? Did he call out, you got, you found me, when he messed up on it? Like, who did he practice on? Did he put the bra onto like a ball or something like that? Was there a mon? Was there a montage? Was music playing in the background? You're the best around. No one's ever gonna bring you down. Did he fumble the first few times and twist it? Did he pinch some girl and she was like, Ow! And then smacked him. And then walked away and he rubbed his cheek while the music continued to play because he learned from that moment. Did he uh, go to, you know, Victoria's Secret and... Unsnap the bras off the mannequins and then run away laughing, high fiving people while the while the climax of you're the best around came around? Did he sit in the mirror licking his lips like nah, 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 while you're the best around? Plays faster and higher because that's how it works in the eighties? Did he? Did he? How much did he practice? Ten thousand hours? Did he unsnap bras for ten thousand hours? Does he have a certificate? Is he certified? I'm done. His full lips found their way to her breasts, sucking them gently before making his way further south. He removed her jeans, slipped her panties to the side, and licked her pussy so good that she automatically forgave him. His warm tongue wiggled in and out of her honey slit with skill. She felt the throbbing sensation in her swollen clitoris, and his lips circled around the tender spot as he sucked on it slowly, gently, passionately. French kissing it with skill. He slipped two of his thick fingers inside of her as his tongue continued to work its magic on her clit. His fingers felt like a hard dick as he caused her to squirm from his touch. You forgive me? No, she moaned as she rotated her pussy in his face. She looked down and the sight of her juices all over his face aroused her even more. She grinded furiously on his fingers as her pussy squirted multiple orgasms. She never knew getting her pussy ache could feel so good. Either the niggas she was fucking with before were amateurs, or Carter was blessed, but either way, she was in heaven. He stood back to his feet, leaving his jeans on the floor beneath him. His dick already rocked hard from the pleasing sounds erupting from me and more. His fingers were still inside her, and she was pleading for him to continue. His manhood grew another inch, just from the seductive look on Mia Moore's face. Please put it in, she moaned. Carter, I need you. My pussy needs you. Carter lifted one of her legs around his waist and rubbed the head of his dick up and down her wetness. His head resembled a flower in bloom, and the width of it was mesmerizing. The heat radiating from him caused her to tremble as he teased her by rubbing it slowly against her puddle of wetness. Please, baby, put it in. He pressed the tip against her clitoris repeatedly, causing her to hump nothing but air. She was fiending for the dick she wanted him so badly. You forgive me? I can't, she said. Yes, you can, he replied as he filled her tight space. Oh my God, I can't, Carter, she moaned, tears slipping down her face. I want to kill you. She admitted through her moans. <laughs> she, really, she really means that. Like he thinks that he's breaking her down. But that's great. That's good writing right there. Carter was oblivious to the fact that she meant every word. I hate you. She moaned over and over again. Carter lifted her other leg and bounced her against the wall as he dug into her. Going as deep as he could go. "Ooh, shit, she called out. Right there, daddy. Yes, right there. You forgive me, he asked as his fingertips melted into her voluptuous ass. Yes, yes, oh, what are you doing to me? I'm fucking you, ma. The mother niggas can't do this pussy like this. You fucking with another nigga, he asked. as he clenched her ass muscles. What, what the fuck, you were the one who was caught with somebody. No, only you. This is your pussy, Carter. I hate you. This is yours, Daddy. Oh my, oh shit, she moaned. I'm about to nut, Carter. I'm coming. Ah! Carter felt her body tense up, and when her walls contracted on his dick, he released his seed inside of her, with no condoms and no regrets. I know it's regrets, but this is all just... Also, right after they have their... climatic battle... Where she reveals to him that, you know, she's a murder mama, even though he should see it on her wrist on the fucking tattoo and ask her, what the fuck does murder mama mean? After they have that climatic thing right before the book ends, I bet you she finds out she's pregnant. And she's gonna struggle whether or not to keep it. Even though she has a lucrative career and really hates this nigga, she's gonna struggle whether or not to keep the baby. Her legs gave out when he set her back on the floor. So he picked her up and carried her into the bedroom. He lay down with his arms wrapped snugly around her. Mia Moore felt so right in his arms, and she hated what she was doing. She knew that she would eventually have to destroy him. But being with him right now at that very moment was the only thing she wanted to think about. I'll never hurt you again. Ever. On everything I love, I'm going to make you mine. I love you, Mia Moore. She couldn't stop herself from responding. I love you too. Ring, 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 ring. The shrill sound of Carter's cell phone woke him and me and more out of their peaceful sleep. He looked at her digital alarm clock, which read 3.42 a.m. He groggily reached for his phone. Hello? He answered as he sat up in bed. Carter, thank God. It's Breeze, Terrence stated in a panic. She hasn't come home yet. What? Mia Moore sat up when she heard Carter's tone of voice. What's wrong, she asked. Carter held up a finger for her to hold on and returned his attention back to his phone call. Look, if she was with Zaire, I'm sure she's fine. I'll call you when I catch up with him. Give me about an hour, he said. Carter knew the breed should have been safe with Zaire, but when he called his phone and didn't receive an answer, He began to worry. Don't worry, they're in bed together and they fell asleep because, you know, the first time that he meets her, he talks to her so brusquely and so roughly and tells her things about herself that no one's ever told her and then he introduced her to reading that she had to give herself to him. I gotta go, Ma, he said as he jumped up and began slipping into his clothes. Mia Moore's face expressed her disappointment and under normal circumstances, he would have handled her later but he had just gotten back into her good graces. Slip on some clothes. You're coming with me, he said. She jumped up, and in five minutes flat, they were out the door. Carter pulled up to Ace and Zaire's apartment at 4.15 a.m. and was relieved to see Breeze's car sitting out front. He still needed to see her face and make sure she was okay. What in the fuck is she doing over here anyway? He thought to himself. He rushed up to apartment eight b and rang the bell. Ace answered it. Damn, fam. Whatever it is, can't it wait till the morning? he asked sleepily. Where's I? Fam is in his room. He been in there all night with the door closed. Why? What's up? Mia Moore stood silently as she watched anger cross Carter's face. Is Breeze in there with him? I don't know, fam. Carter walked to the back of the apartment and opened Zaire's room door without knocking. He took a deep breath when he saw his baby sister sleeping soundly in Zaire's bed, with Zaire sleeping in the chair next to the bed, his feet propped up. They both had Dope Fiend by Donald Goins in their hand and had fallen asleep with the book open. Carter laughed at himself for thinking the worst. Zaire would never put his sister in danger or disrespect him by hitting and running on her. If Breeze was interested in Zaire... It was a bridge that he would cross when they all got there. But for now, she was safe and he was satisfied. Ugh. No, no, no. So, I've fallen asleep reading a book before and that's cool. I mean, you read late night, things happen, you get tired. But you're both, are you reading to each other? Are you reading at the same time? Are you reading silently to yourselves and you both fell asleep? Did you? she fall asleep first and then you fell asleep like what exactly happened right here Zaire was sitting on the bed or on the, on the chair and she was on the bed and then she fell asleep so he covered her up gently and then he went to the chair and continued to read and, fu- and fell asleep I have questions now and it's mostly about reading together that's cute and all but everything good Ace asked Carter nodded yeah fam everything's good I'm tripping. We gonna crash on your couch out here till the morning, right? Yeah, bro, make yourself at home. You know where everything's at. Carter placed a call to Terran and informed her the breeze was just fine. Are you all right? Mia Moore asked. Yeah, I'm good. Let's get some sleep, he said as he pulled her near and closed his eyes. Chapter 17 The Coconut Died With My Grandson Now get the fuck out, Emilio Estes. I got you, youngin. I'm about to go and try and talk to Estes and get him to plug you in. The game is all yours now, Polo said just before hanging up the phone with young Carter. He was just about to have a meeting with Estes. He wanted to see if he could set up a meeting with him and Carter so he could retire and move to L.A. He was done with the seesaw game that had treated him both good and bad. He pulled up to the loading dock's parking lot and smoothly got out, wearing a straw sun hat and a toothpick sticking from his mouth. He saw the S and his henchmen had already arrived before him, just like he expected. He slowly approached the Dominican men, who stood on the boardwalk that led to S's speedboat. He raised both of his arms without them having to instruct him. He knew the drill only too well. After getting searched, he boarded the boat and saw S's at the head of the bow. His back turned, smoking a Cuban cigar. Good evening, Estes. Polo sat loudly as he stuck his hands in his white linen pants. Estes signaled for his henchman to pick up the anchor so that it could take off. Polo, Estes said, not even giving him the respect to looking him in the eyes. Estes started the boat and pulled off. Polo sat in the seat uncomfortably and wondered where Estes was taking him. He slightly moved his hat off his head but not all the way off. He didn't want the small twenty-two caliber pistol he had under the hat to fall. After a 10-minute ride, Estes finally stopped the boat, and all they could see was water. There was no sign of anything else but the royal blue Atlantic Ocean. Estes turned to Polo and took a deep puff of his cigar. You want to talk, right? Talk, he said coldly. First, We need to get at the... It's already been taken care of. The entire Haitian mob is dead. There'll be no more bloodshed. The only one left is Mati, but we cut his legs from underneath him. He has no money and no army, and most likely Miami won't ever see him again. Paula was surprised at how quickly Estes moved. Estes was two steps ahead of him, managing to wipe out the whole Haitian mob with ease. He knew that Essis was the boss of all bosses, and it was another day at the job for him. Polo continued. Yeah, I wanted to discuss a few things. You know, since Carter died, I've been the one you supplied. The way I see it, I'm not getting any younger, and the game has changed. I'm trying to make an exit and give up this game for good. You're a smart man. I really have faith in young Carter. And I was wondering. Estes raised his hand to stop him from talking. Let me tell you something. I never liked you. Hell, I never liked Carter. But I gave him the connect because my daughter was in love with him. And I wanted him to be able to provide for her. So, you see, this is where it all stops. No more product for the cartel. I want nothing to do with you people. The connect died with my grandson. Estes said as he looked past Polo. Naturally, Polo followed his eyes and saw the two boats were approaching. Oh, so that's how you're going to play it, huh? Polo asked in disbelief as he nodded his head repeatedly. He was ready to go for his gun, but he saw the two boats pull up, one on either side. Estes stood up and began to unzip his pants. He unleashed his small tanned penis and began to urinate on Polo's shoes. Polo quickly moved his feet, and it took all of his willpower for him to not go for his gun and shoot Estes in the face. He felt totally disrespected, but he knew that he'd only be committing suicide if he did that. Wonder men picked up a small one-person rowboat and tossed it in the water. Now get the fuck out, Estes said calmly as he turned his back to Polo. Polo clenched his jaw so tightly it began to hurt as he realized that Essence was going to make him row all the way back to shore. Michael, row the boat ashore! Hallelujah! Sorry. Swallowing his pride, Polo stepped onto the small boat, staring a hole through Estes all the way down. One of the henchmen tossed Polo a paddle, and they all pulled off, leaving Polo alone in the middle of nowhere. Polo, his ego bruised beyond repair, knew at that moment that it was time to leave the game alone. He was tired of everything that came with it. If that would have been five years ago, he would have gone out guns blazing for the stunt that Estes pool. But Polo had matured and knew that he would have started a fight he could never win. Carter would have to find his own connect and start from the ground up. In the meantime, Polo had some serious paddling to do. Damn. So maybe Polo didn't. Set them up with the Haitians. But I'm sure he did. Also, Carter has his own connect in Atlanta, right? So, everything should be fine? I think. I don't know. We're going to see. Anyways. um nine one six six three three one five three seven Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter patreon.com slash single simulcast sscast is where you can find me on Buy me a Coffee, so that's buymeacoffee.com slash sscast leave a review on podchaser uh, leave a review on uh, apple Podcasts. Uh, leave a review on castbox, leave a review on stitcher just leave a review I appreciate it and it helps me be seen by more people who need to know just how good I am at this Thank you so much for listening. I greatly do appreciate it. Y'all have a great day. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace.